take your seats, please. In this episode, we're revisiting the law of subtraction. So take your seats, please. Thanks. Welcome to the Change Academy podcast. I'm Brock Armstrong. And I'm Monica Reinagle. And our goal is to help you achieve the lifestyle you want without overloading or overcomplicating your life with unproductive behaviors. Nobody wants that for you. No. Some new research recently caught our attention because it reinforces and expands on a concept that we introduced about six months ago in our episode called The Law of Subtraction. Now, the law of subtraction is not like the law of gravity. It's just (laughs) something we made up to describe something that we were observing. But come on. I mean, now that researchers are confirming our idea, I think it's time to slap a trademark on that. Yes. And we were doing it before it was cool. (laughs) Right. And speaking of cool things, (laughs) occasionally we like to highlight things that our listeners have sent in or emails that we've received or give updates on our own lives. And a few episodes ago, go, we were talking about not exactly New Year's resolutions, but kind of our take on New Year's resolutions in the commitments episode. And we both highlighted things that we are planning to focus on and see how they fit into our new life. And the thing that I was focusing on was deepening relationships. And you know what? I have to say, this is going really, really well. Not that I'm terribly surprised because deepening relationships seems like it should be something that goes really well, but it is. And it's kind of becoming uh, addictive for (laughs) me too, which I did not predict. I thought it was going to be fun and I thought it was going to make me feel good, but I didn't think it would be quite this addictive. But you know, the, the interesting thing is, actually, for those of you who don't remember, my plan was to do things like scroll to the bottom of my text messaging app and see who I haven't messaged in the longest amount of time and send them a little friendly hello or just reach out to people I haven't talked to in a while and also make a make an effort to actually meet up with people. So one thing that I did realize while I was doing this that I was really making a much bigger deal out of this whole thing than was necessary. reaching out to people via the text message, like I said, or making dinner plans or meeting up with people for hikes. I was really overthinking it and overcomplicating it. And maybe this is a symptom of the last few years of being in this pandemic world, or maybe maybe it's something else. I'm not really sure of that. I'll do some more digging on that. But as soon as I ripped off that Band-Aid and started reaching out to people, it became a lot less intimidating and it became, like I said, really addictive. Or maybe we could just call it reinforcing. Exactly. It really it reinforced this behavior is a really positive one. And not a single person, I'm happy to report, seemed upset or put out or <laughs> grumpy for my friendly little messages that I sent out or for me reaching out saying, hey, let's go for coffee. I did get a couple of people who said, had that um, quintessential phrase like the that sounds great, but who is this? Like the new new phone <laughs> oh, who disc oh. kind of thing. And I was like, yep, yeah, that's that really does solidify how long it has actually been since I reached out to this person. So again, like a big win. Yeah, that does sound great. And a really a concrete way of living that commitment to deepen relationships, which can be done in so many different ways. And that was mm-hmm. the fun thing about commitments is they're, they're kind of an umbrella over individual goals or things that we want to take on. They are the, the why that power that, right. that power those intentions or the way we want to go about 
what we're doing. Exactly. So one of, thanks for suggesting that we give a little update on this. Uh, One of my commitments that I shared with listeners in that episode was to enjoy the process, not be so darn focused on the outcome and the goal, Mm -hmm. but to actually find some joy in the doing. And this has definitely been a challenge for me, but as I hoped, having that commitment as a sort of guiding light is, well, it's not really affecting what I'm working on, but it's definitely affecting how I go about it. So when I notice that I'm sort of dreading or resisting a task that I've scheduled or that I need to do, instead of just kind of gritting my teeth and making myself do it, I just take a second to ask myself, what would make this fun? Mm. How could I make this a more enjoyable process? Oh, I like that. And it's so interesting to see what kinds of answers come up in response to this question. Sometimes it has more to do with the environment that I'm working in. You know, do I want to do this work somewhere else? Mm. Sometimes it's just about taking a minute to remind myself why this task actually matters to me and what it is leading to. And that's enough to make me more motivated to do it. And sometimes it's about shaking up how I approach the task, like doing the steps in a different order just for fun. Mm. But I've found that just remembering to stop and ask that question, how can I make this fun, really changes the energy, gets me out of that yuck, I don't want to do this space and into a much better headspace. So, so far, so good. Ah, I really like that. You know, it's so it reinforces that idea that often we get really focused on the what of things instead of the how and the why. Right. And that really those are so much more important things. The the what is often there's no negotiation. You have to do this because it's your job or you have to brush your teeth because you want to keep your teeth (laughs) in your head or like the what is often very defined. But the how and the why are totally up to us. And just asking yourself those questions opens up that how and why so well. I love it. Yeah. Okay, let's get back to our revisiting of the uh, law of subtraction. TM. So, okay, let's <laughs> TM, TM, TM. So to refresh your memory, we'll play, I'm going to play a brief clip from that original episode where we offer some of our takeaways and some things to think about. And if you want to go back and hear that entire episode, just look for episode number 83. But here's uh, here's sort of the important stuff. Okay, I have four takeaways that I jotted down while we were talking. One, adding a lot of new bells and whistles to your routine can be a way of avoiding that simple but not easy work of simply changing old behaviors. And number two, eliminating something that's actually unproductive can make what remains more impactful. Mm. Less can really be more. My third takeaway is that extreme solutions can produce results faster, but simple solutions may produce results that last. Right. I like that one. And finally, when we eliminate that unproductive effort, we can move toward our goals with more ease. And what's wrong with that? What's wrong with a life that has more ease? It sounds so nice. Even the way you said ease just relaxed me. (laughs) (laughs) All right, before I get too relaxed, let's talk about how to apply this information or otherwise known as the lab experiment. So if what you're working on isn't working, instead of looking around for the next big thing to add, contemplate what you could eliminate from your efforts. 
And then you can look at which of the things you're currently focused on are actually distractions or low-value efforts. And then ask yourself, what simple but not easy action could you focus on this week if you eliminate an unproductive or distracting effort? Those are all sort of different variations on the same idea of just looking at what you're working on, see if you're overcomplicating it, and then look what you can remove instead of add. So when we recorded that episode, we weren't aware that our so-called law of subtraction had been studied by a University of Virginia professor named Lydie Klotz. And he and his collaborators published a series of studies showing that when people are confronted with a problem and asked to come up with ways to solve it, they tend to think of things that they can add to the effort. They are much less likely to think about taking something away until or unless the researchers specifically ask them, cue them to consider subtracting something. Right. And I always love the way social scientists and behavioral scientists dream up to test their theories, these studies that they come up with. And I loved this one too, because it involved Legos. <laughs> so in this study, they gave people a pre-built little structure that was made of Lego bricks. And that structure supported a platform, but this structure that they gave them, it wasn't built very well. So three of the supporting pillars were a little bit shorter than the fourth one. And so the platform was kind of tippy. So if you'd put something on it, it would just slide right off. Right. So their assignment was to make the tower stable enough that this platform on top would be able to support a heavy object without it sliding off. Hmm. They then gave them a bowl of spare Lego pieces and a dollar in change. And they explained that extra pieces would cost them 10 cents a piece. <laughs> so one obvious solution would be to add another piece to the three shorter pillars so that all the pillars were the same height and then the platform would be level. And this would, in this game, cost them 30 cents. Ooh, that's not chump change. <laughs> <laughs> no, it totally is chump change, especially because they gave them the 30 cents, right? Right. But another solution would be to remove a piece from the one pillar that was taller, making all the pillars the same height and leveling the platform. And this would cost them nothing. And it would also be simpler and faster. It would require less labor if you mm. consider building with Legos labor. Sure, you have to move your fingies. <laughs> but the research demonstrated that most people have a distinct bias towards addition as a route to problem solving. So they tended not to consider subtraction as an option unless the researchers specifically mentioned it to them by pointing out when they gave the instructions that while adding Legos would cost 10 cents each, removing Legos was free. Just including that phrase, removing a Lego is free. So the mm. group that got that extra little piece of instruction was much more likely to come up with that as a solution. Hmm. It's a pretty benign prompt when you when you think about it. It's just surprising that that's all it took. Well, right, but I think it demonstrates like how strong our bias towards addition is. Mm -hmm. But the good news is that just being aware of that addition bias may be all we really need to allow us to overcome it. And you know that was essentially the point of our previous episode when you're trying to make something better don't forget to consider what you might subtract. Right. In that original episode, when we talked about this before, 
I mentioned something called uh, complexity bias, which I think goes really well with this mm-hmm. addition bias. It's pretty similar, a little bit different, but the same sort of idea that our tendency as humans is to prefer complicated explanations or complicated solutions over simple ones. And this is a big reason why people flock to things like those overly complicated diets when they want to lose weight that involve prepackaged shakes and some unrealistic restrictions and extreme behaviors instead of just simply eating real food and not too much and mostly plants to sort of misquote Michael Pollan. Yeah, that is so true. It's almost like the more complicated it is, the more confidence people have that it will work. Right. I know people who jumped through huge hoops back in the early days of crypto Mm. to invest their money in this crazy new scheme instead of just doing something simple like saving a small percentage of their income each month, which is something you can automate and you don't even have to do. But Mm. instead, they went to these crazy lengths to get into crypto. And it's that same idea that simple isn't as attractive to us as complicated is. Yeah. And, you know, the these same group of researchers demonstrated that this also operates often at organizational levels. So in mm. another study that they did, employees of a university system were asked by their management, by their leadership, for ideas about what could make the place better, like a giant suggestion box, right? Yeah. And not surprisingly, the vast majority of the suggestions that they received were about things that could be added, ways in which having more of something would make things better. And there were very few suggestions that had to do with eliminating something that was unnecessary. It's interesting to imagine what might have happened if the employees were reminded to consider both options, just that simple prompt. That simple little thing of reminding them what the budget was (laughs) might have actually cued them in. Although I'm trying to think of what I would think of the only thing I can think of is a bigger atrium or maybe removing part of the the ceiling to make a, an open air section or something. Having trouble thinking of removing stuff. And I guess I'm just reinforcing that whole bias. Well, <laughs> so I'm right. having trouble imagining it. So if I recall the description, the employees were thinking about things like additional support for the you know resources that they could apply to the things that they were working on but they weren't thinking about things like could we eliminate this unnecessary reporting requirement can we remove mm. red tape can we remove steps from this process to make it more efficient now this idea comes up a lot when i'm, I'm helping people to live a more active lifestyle mm. and and by that i mean like not go to the gym more often or exercise more but to just move more as a matter of their day And the first thought often is to add something like a treadmill or something to their desk Mm -hmm. so they can keep moving while they're while they're working or add some exercise equipment into their office, which are totally great ideas. I'm not not putting those down at all. But what can also be very effective is just simply getting rid of your chair so you can stand more or remove. In my case, I have a sort of lazy boy type chair in my in my office. And if I got rid of that, then I might have more room to to sit and move around on the floor. And I kind of made myself a little infamous. I was going to say famous, but I'm probably more infamous for often talking about how removing my car from my life actually made me a lot more healthy and active and stuff. So it's that same idea of adding gear may seem more fun and it can be effective for sure, but taking the barriers away from things like movement is just as effective. 
and, and often cost cheaper. Less too. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> okay. So hopefully we've now convinced you of the benefit of considering or countering that bias towards addition. So now I want you to consider all of the problem solving or life enhancing ideas that you listeners are not thinking of because of what I can only describe as a hardwired bias towards additive versus subtractive solutions. And I'll give you an example. I'm an amateur vegetable gardener, not a terribly good one, very Mm -hmm. spotty record of success, although I really do enjoy it. And I'm always looking to improve my soil. So I am an easy mark for all those things that they sell in the garden store that you add to improve the texture of your soil. Then I learned that one of the best things I could do for my soil was to leave it alone. So I started using something called no-till gardening methods, and it has improved the structure of my soil. It's also saved me dozens of hours of back-breaking labor every year. But, you know, you know, sometimes I also find that when I have less to do, I actually get more done. Mm-hmm. And some of this is about multitasking. So really just doing one thing at a time or doing things sequentially. Um, and I'm talking about at the task level, but also maybe at the goal level, like how many goals are we working on at the same time? Right. But doing them one at a time often produces better results than multitasking. And I mean better results both in terms of the quality of the result, but also in terms of the quantity of the result. Yeah, we've suggested several times on this podcast to not try to approach more than I think three is kind of a good rule of thumb, but even one is probably better than three, but four is definitely going to, like you said, take away from the quality and the quantity of those results. Yeah, and there's and there's been plentiful research at this point to show that multitasking does not improve efficiency. It may seem like you're getting a lot more done in a lot less time, but it just ain't so. No, not me. I can't multitask at all. I've acknowledged that for years. Oh, oh boy, I still try. I've always got a thousand <laughs> tabs open. But so, if you're now thinking through your life or your task list or your goal list, and you're considering what you might subtract, you could review all of the candidates for subtraction in terms of just getting rid of whatever seems to be the least important or the least productive. But don't forget to also consider what they refer to as opportunity cost. So the question is not just, am I getting enough benefit from this to justify the time, energy, or money that I'm spending on it, but also Is there something else I could do with these same resources that might produce more benefit? Yeah, I'm kind of reminded of a similar question, which is, what am I saying no to when I'm saying yes to something else? Mm -hmm. And when you're trying to achieve, let's say, a, a healthier body composition, which we help people do in the Way Less program, so it's top of mind at all all points in my life. You might be inclined to say yes to, let's say, adding an early morning trip to the gym. But you need to stop and consider that by doing that, you're actually also saying no to getting more or better sleep. You're saying no to saving the money that you might be spending on the gym. You're also saying no to having time to eat a good breakfast and prepare a healthy lunch. So then subtracting that idea of going to the gym actually gives you more time to move your body at home, save more money, and eat healthier meals. 
one might argue that at least two of those things that you're saying yes to by saying no to the other thing are actually going to help you achieve your wellness goals, where the other one, meh, maybe not quite so much, but it's always good to save more money. Yeah. You know, and finally, remember that doing nothing is not necessarily a waste of time. Because our brains are actually never really doing nothing. But some of what they can do easily gets crowded out by excessive busyness and activity. And I've noticed this in my work. I used to really beat up on myself about procrastinating. So I'd be on a deadline. I'd have to turn in an article or a book chapter or something. And I'd be supposed to be at my desk cranking out, you know, X number of words per hour. But instead... I'd be at the park taking a walk or weeding my vegetable garden, (laughs) unnecessarily tilling my vegetable garden, or, you know, sitting on my porch with a cup of tea staring into space. And I felt bad about this until I realized that that so-called blank time was actually not blank or inactive at all. Because apparently my mind tends to use that sort of time to organize its thoughts or experiment with different ways to approach a topic. Because when I finally did sit down at my desk, I was often really surprised at how much like nearly finished copy would suddenly pour out of my fingers and onto the screen. So something was happening, even when I looked like I was doing nothing. I heard a story. I think it was about Leonardo da Vinci used to put a key around his finger. And when he was trying to solve a problem or something, he'd go and and sit down and think about the problem, but have a nap. And then the key would drop off his finger and wake him up. Uh So he wouldn't nap too long, but he'd get into that sort of that relaxed state where the brain becomes a little more creative, a little more engaged. And that was his sort of way of solving a problem or coming up with a new idea. Mm -hmm. Now, don't quote me on who that was. Somebody did that. I think it was Da Vinci. (laughs) But it also reminds me of some uh, some really cool science. There's been some old and some new research that suggests that mind wandering can actually serve some important functions, exactly what you were just describing, that it can actually um, improve our performance and our well-being. And a recent study that I was just looking at yesterday actually found that mind wandering improved people's creativity above and beyond the positive effects of their baseline fluid intelligence, as the the study stated, which is just the general ability for our brains to be able to solve problems or solve puzzles. Now, the researchers found that doing nothing or mind wandering had some positive benefits beyond just feeling relaxed and calm. Yeah, vindication. Yeah. When going for walks has long been a way to for philosophers, for poets, for Steve Jobs, for example, would go for a walk whenever he was working through problems. So I think that's a, just another extension of this idea. Yeah. But sometimes we're afraid to have those unscheduled hours in our day because we have so much to do, right? Mm-hmm. And And we just always want to add more into our calendar so that we will have gotten more done at the end of the day. Just another illustration of how sometimes less really is more. Well, we've covered a whole lot of stuff, and I know you've got a great lab experiment for us, but first, here are some takeaways from this version of the Law of Subtraction. So the first one is that we must be aware that our human bias is to add more and more to a problem, whether that is appropriate or not. 
And the second thing is removing items, whether it's a physical item or a behavioral item from our life or from our home or office or school or our Lego structures, <laughs> can make solving a problem more effective and more economical. Yeah. And adding yet another element can not only overcomplicate what we're already doing, but it also may block it or block its effects. And finally, sometimes doing absolutely nothing at all is exactly what we need to do. Right. So here's a lab experiment that can help you apply the insights that we've been talking about today to whatever it is that you're working on. A couple questions for you to consider. What could you subtract from your productivity routine or strategy that might actually make you more productive? really want you to focus on the things that you think you do to make yourself more productive. But similarly, what might you cut from your morning routine or from your workout or even from your household chores? I mean, trust me, Martha Stewart really does not care if your spice cabinet is alphabetized. <laughs> Where in your life are you paying for three more Legos when you could remove a Lego for free? And speaking of Legos, if you want to go deep into the law of subtraction, you might enjoy picking up or borrowing from the library a copy of Dr. Klotz's book. It's called Subtract, the Untapped Science of Less. Thank you, Dr. Klotz. And thank you for listening. We'll be back with our next episode, which is lucky number 100 for us. We're looking forward to that. All right. All right. Thanks, everyone. And remember, you can find links and resources at changeacademypodcast.com.